0: Much. all right ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining this is episode 30 of the Mosby learning podcast and you know it's um, it hasn't been nearly as long since the last one you heard however this particular trio of voices it's been damn near a year since you've heard these together my name is Dan Hurt and I'm calling in from Mississauga Ontario and yeah, it's been
1: almost exactly you know I'm Adam Costix, and I'm calling in from Dallas
2: Texas and then you've got Eli Burant from the Great Lakes State, calling from Oxford, Michigan, sister city to Oxford, at least they claim to be Oxford, England. So I don't know if there's really a relationship there or not. <laughs> the, but. I, would,
0: I wonder if the people in Oxford, England say the same oh, they thing. Don't. They ah,
1: don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They're like, like where Oxford again? Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. Adam, how how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, just uh, actually a little cold right now. I was telling you uh, before the show here, just when we were talking, it's 36 degrees down here in Dallas. And so I know, you know, up there in Oxford, England, it's it's definitely a lot colder, but and where you're at up in Canada, but it, right now it's chilly. So, you know, out in the garage with a blanket and trying to stay warm, but doing fantastic, you know, continuing on this lockdown and. You know, we're, well, I say that, you know, I talked to my parents up in Michigan, they're, they're on real lockdown down, here in Dallas, everything's open up, nobody's wearing masks, Everyone's has everything, but uh, we're pretty good, we're doing great, you know, we've already survived COVID. So, you know, from a family perspective, we're like Superman, we walk around <laughs> with a shirt that says, you know, I've had COVID, I don't need to wear a mask. So you're great. It. And uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, the yeah, whole I family got it. Yeah, we 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 were lucky. We're extremely lucky. Very blessed with it. Uh, We we had no symptoms, nothing Um, as far as like actual sick symptoms. We we all lost our sense of smell. So my wife and I couldn't smell anything. Uh, Mine lasted for about. That was
2: really weird. Really weird. I couldn't smell a thing. Like it was like, uh, with a toddler in the house, it's really not the best thing to lose (laughs) because with a toddler in the house and a gas stove, those are two things you really like.
1: Like, yeah. Amazingly, that's how Jessica realized that um she couldn't smell. when she was changing the two-year-old's diaper. She's like, I, a, "I think we've got a problem." And then we ran around the house, you know, trying to smell garlic and cinnamon. And you know, I was stuffing a uh, Vicks vapor rub up, up my nose. I'm like, mm-hmm. "It's not working. I don't smell anything." <laughs> it was wild, but uh, yeah, like, you know, can't smell a thing, though. Can't smell a thing. So yeah, but lucky, no symptoms like whatsoever. All, none besides the smell. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a little sore, but I'm also pushing well over forty now, so that's pretty normal. But besides that, we were lucky. My kids, nothing. Yeah, so, my
2: kids didn't. My kids had nothing. They 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 didn't show a thing. We don't think they even had. They got it, but my wife and I did. Um, yeah. The I was sore for like a day. Yeah, I had a low low grade headache, like for like a day, and then for like two weeks, it was the worst fatigue I've ever had. Like oh. 8 o'clock at night, like can't get off the couch um gotcha. but other than that like that was all that, that was all she wrote well Fair i'm glad went. you guys
0: propped yourselves yeah. up for this conversation um we are going to and, and i should as a little glib i'm glad you're both well and recovered
2: i did
0: you're being glib
2: matt um triple word I... scores with the uh triple word score for a four-letter word it's pretty good <laughs> is it it's it's four letters it's do? three, or it's four or five. Is I that don't know. Nine or Webster's.
0: There you go. <laughs> um, so, my friends, we are we are together again. The um, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through a couple things. The first thing that I wanted to do, actually, the first thing I should do as a professional podcast host, is talk about where you're going to find the show notes for this episode: Mosby.ca/slash zero three zero. So that's like 30 with a zero in front of it. Mosby.ca, spelled with an S, M-O-S-B-Y.ca. And you can send us an email at mosbylearning at gmail.com. And Adam, I understand that you are, um, you don't you don't even blink. You watch it so intently, you have to use eye drops to, to moisturize your eyes. Is that true? It is true. Yeah, I watch it.
1: You know, I've been looking at it, when looking for those emails. I watch it quite a bit.
2: I emailed the inbox and it said it had been closed since it hasn't been used in so long.
1: <laughs> <Ruh-roh>. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't watch it that much, but, you know, quite a bit. I, You know, we check in there. We definitely anything, look for any fan mail. Anything uh, come in? Anything come in. Nothing came in so far. Today. Okay, good. Good, good, good.
0: Well, keep watching um, for the email that does come in that eventually will. Uh, otherwise, you can also, if you want to reach out to uh, myself or Adam, we'll, talk, we'll cover like our social media handles at the end of this for uh, for the ones we want to give out. But we did get a... Um, you know, this is episode thirty, and uh, we've been doing this for a little while. And luckily, I guess it's established some sort of uh, of a reputation or street cred with us. And I did get um, a previous colleague, a former colleague, that reached out and said, "Hey, my son." Is, hang on, let me pull it. Let me pull it off here. Hang on. Maybe
2: uh, prepared
0: social media things on Mosby. Um, so uh, my son is interested. Somebody says, it's not my son. He's six. He doesn't care about this shit, but this guy's (laughs) son says, uh, he says, my son is interested in doing corporate training. Uh, he's recently worked on some programs and, um, the question really comes to what courses should he take in college and what is any advice you can give for him? And um, it just tickled me to have someone ask me a question that I can actually help answer. And I did provide a bit of an answer and I'll, I'll provide it again here uh, for the, uh, the, the the young gentleman who's listening. But um, I also wanted to get your insights, guys, because I we've all come to as everybody seems to, we've all we all find our path here in a different way. And some people have they they do end up getting a formal education, and and I think we may talk about this later. Some people tend to wallow in that academic field uh, quite a bit, but others they don't even touch it, and they get into the uh, they get into the discipline somehow. Uh, now now my journey, which is uh, I don't know if it's the best one, but it certainly got me where I was going, was to get a adult learning certificate from, it was uh, Seneca. I think it was Seneca college here in Toronto is, uh, is where I went to. And it was like five courses and it gave me a foundation that was about a decade ago. And you know, I, I grabbed some books off the shelf too. Like I, I legit bought training for dummies when I, th- that was the first L and D book that I ever bought. Yeah. I think everybody does, right. Everybody's got a copy of it. Um, yeah. But, um, and then, then there's a bunch of other books, but that was for me, that and then, my other bit of advice for uh, for this this gentleman was to I I, I really encouraged him to look at uh, and well, I guess I encourage because you are listening. I assume uh, I encourage you to look at developing different types of media and to generally try well to be a generalist. I really think that you can become a specialist. You can do that. You can try to narrow down into a field. Uh, or, or like a specific sub-discipline of L and D, uh, whether it is instructional design or augmented reality or whatever the hell is going on these days, right? The flavor is going to be a little bit different five years from now. But um, if you become a generalist, you are a lot more valuable to employers when things really get tough. And you know, mm-hmm. it, it depends. Right. It depends. But that, that's my, that's my general incense. Now, our incense. Good God. Um, <laughs> Which <laughs> Eli, is let's
2: let's
0: yeah. That's an interesting point, though.
2: You're, t- you're talking about the being a generalist. What I have found yeah. in since that that fateful day of Friday the 13th, March 2020, when everything kind of when everybody went into their foxholes, right? When mm-hmm. you know <laughs> stay-at-home orders and things like that, is what I have found. At least where I'm at, Adam, you can and probably concur to this is that everyone on my team has become incredibly specialized. Um, we've For been so busy, been
0: that or after that.
2: No, now, since then, really? is that that we've become so specialized in handling our little items. I don't know if it's because that we've gotten busier or it's just easier with us all being remote and not being able to get together and share as easily as we once were. Mm-hmm. But I was a very good generalist, <laughs> but now I've become very, very specialized and over in certain things over the last year uh and lost some of the skills and knowledge that I had uh on different uh subject matters over the last twelve months. I can say that for sure. Do you think
1: that's because you're not able to socialize and be with other people to bounce ideas off of during the day I think that's or do you part think it's of it I think it's you know projects that are coming in.
2: Overhearing things, right? Being looped mm-hmm, in on mm-hmm. things just by being in proximity. Uh I think that's part of it. I also think part of it is um you know just the the ability to i think a lot of it comes from management too is that okay we're going to specialize this person that way. they, they mm-hmm. know that this person can handle this job and they don't really yeah. have to manage it as much because they, they can't see it all the time right so but if they know yeah. you're, you're on this one thing and you're handling this one thing that might be where it's at too um it also might be like i said workload right like workload went mm-hmm. up and the only way to get that accomplished um because we're remote is to uh, give more of a percentage like less slices of the pie, but the slice of the pie that you have are bigger. Right. So
0: I want to go back a couple steps and, and Adam, I do want to get your thoughts too, but um, less, less so than Eli's, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Appreciate Eli, that. so you're talking about how long have you been in, in training?
2: Oh, wow. Um, let's call it 15 years
0: okay so so that's longer than me both you guys have been at this longer than me um when you started now you you came from the business and, and you were well, is well yeah. like, it wasn't underwriting what would you do though
2: no, I, was, I was an originator so um okay, a, a, I, kinda,
0: originator what yeah so
2: kind of going back to the so the, the, what i just brought up I kind of took us off on a tangent in the very beginning, but going back to the original question, right, of how do you get into it? I think one of the most important things and kind of goes back to what we kind of want to talk about at the end about the academia piece is, are you any good at breaking information down and conveying it to someone else that they make it that it's easier to understand? Yeah. Right. So, number one, are you good at that? Do people tell you, and it's something you don't even have to try. It do people tell you that you are good at that? Do people come to you to explain things because you can do that? If you have those natural qualities, everything else can kind of fall in line and come behind it. But if you don't, and I've run into people who come straight out of the, you know, I took all the classes, I got my, my, I got my degrees, these things, but they can't explain anything to anybody, and yeah, and and if if they're trying to go by the book all the time, sometimes you know the book stuff matters. But it doesn't matter if you can't break something down to somebody, and the big words. And you go back to that last podcast we all did together. There were a lot of big words on that that item that we had no idea what they were, right? Yeah. And if you and just, can't for, just for make reference, it,
0: oh, from the last. The last podcast we were on this this trio uh it was to review the um the training development the association for training and development their uh twenty twenty um competency model I think that's what they call yeah. their new competency model so it, it was it was heavy academia mm-hmm. stuff you know
2: yeah and and what I've found a lot of times is, is not not in every case but those people that come out of heavy academia they use the big words and they and they succeed in what they would have gotten graded well in their class with. But if the mm-hmm. end user, if you can't break it down simply to a person to make, you know, to get them to do their job better, which is the end goal, right? If you yeah. can't do that, then those classes don't matter. And if you have that mm-hmm. natural ability, and that's kind of where I, how I fell in, is I had an ability to convey what, what people were trying to learn, coworkers at the time, right? We were both doing the same position. Um, to help them get ramped up and be successful in what they did. And it was noticed by other managers on the team and things like, Hey, you're really good at this. You're actually better at it than we are as managers. Can you, what if we made a role for you where you handled uh, these new folks and you helped them get ramped up. And that's how I kind of, you know, moved over into this type of position. So the
0: birth of a trainer, <laughs> it, right? There, it all folks. starts with,
2: but I've, it, I've been like that my entire life. I've always been, I've always been able to explain, and break things down in a way that makes it easier to understand. So
0: now and and, and um a couple of things I wanna bounce off there. Um you good at explaining is an important thing and I think there's only really one way to come up with Uh, If you're good at that or not. And that's to create content, to put things out into the world. And now more than ever, that that's easier than it it ever was. Right. Um, And that's when I started. I didn't have any experience in L&D. So I started a a podcast, which is probably terrible. Um, I don't know if this one's any better. I hope so. But. Um, but, but I started a podcast essentially for myself to force myself to articulate ideas, to try to to try to express things in, in ways that make them understandable and, and, on, and also kind of reinforce them in my head. So um, that's one of the reasons that I encouraged uh, encourage you or anybody else that might be trying to get into the uh, the discipline to create things, just create things and try to communicate things. Um, damn it. There was a or, second thing uh, or
2: just pass along something to someone else. Just try and teach somebody anything. Mm -hmm. Like if you're good at making pancakes, teach somebody how to make pancakes.
0: Yeah. Make a YouTube video. How to make pancakes.
2: Yeah. YouTube video. If you're like, or your nephew or, you know, you know, someone will teach somebody your favorite recipe. Teach somebody how to uh, do whatever you like to do. Right. And just explain, say things out loud. Try to make sure that you're uh, making it in, in. digestible chunks that people can understand versus uh confusing them that's the biggest thing And the other thing yeah. is that to be able to the, the ability to read someone and know whether they're contemplating what you're saying or you're confusing them with what you're saying that yeah. ability like to see that or to recognize that which is even harder now because everything's virtual you're not be able to see um, you know see the, the look across you know someone's face when you're working with them uh, as much as you as you once were, you've got to be able to, like, read those signs and say, OK, I got to change what I'm doing. you got to be able to adjust on the fly if what is it what you're doing isn't working.
0: Yeah. Try a couple different tacks. All right. Flexible. Adam, crawl. Crawl your way out of that Snuggie and tell us your thoughts on uh, on this question. And, and you know, we didn't necessarily look at what are the courses that someone should take, but I mean, uh-huh. that was all very good advice for just kind of developing skills. Uh, Adam, is there anything course-wise that you would encourage or, yeah, or specific? So, you, you know, know
1: I'm, I'm going to piggyback off a couple of those conversations there. You know, I, I, I do, I'm going to start with one of the reasons that you got hired and when when you know you and i work together is you had that portfolio and so mm-hmm. one of the things i would tell anybody going into this business create a portfolio if you're a speaker record yourself speaking if you're going to be a facilitator record yourself facilitating yeah. understand the difference between facilitating training and presenting and put a couple videos online create a page put it right there on your youtube channel if you're a designer to your point eli if you're great at making pancakes Make different videos and put them out there and design them with different softwares because there's a ton of software that's out there. There's tons of different things you can use that are free. I mean, you can go to Canva, create presentations. You can go to Wix. You can get out there on Camtasia and make quick videos. And some of that stuff's really inexpensive. Try it. I mean, hell, there's free trials of articulate, create a course, put it on your website and teach people how to do it. Because if you have that portfolio, I remember, Dan, I looked through all your podcasts. When you hit your resume, I was looking. I was like, this guy's got a podcast. And now that was five years ago. Oh, anyways, yeah. five year, well, five years ago is when I saw it, though. And, you know, almost four and a half years ago when I saw the podcast and I remember you not only had your podcast on there, but you had some YouTube videos that you did. You also had some samples of your voiceover. Yeah. And while I wasn't yeah. looking for a voiceover talent, I was like, wow, this guy can actually create things and look at things and, and add value to the organization. And, you know, so that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice is put things out, out there, try it see what sticks, or just have it for yourself to show people because people can find it, right? It's like, I built this and I actually did something with it. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I would say, That I think is, you know, I was a history major, and so I was laughing, Eli, you're talking about how do you break information down? I can tell you I was also not, there's a podcast where we talk about books, and I don't read a lot of books, but I could break information down very, very quickly. And in history, one of the biggest things that we did is you take tons of information, tons of studying, and you create these papers, and then you defend them. And you can talk about the information, and how do you disseminate the information to the group? And you would have different topics so the other parts of the group would ask you questions and how did you actually facilitate that to the group it was a great opportunity to really kind of practice teaching people um and then you know just the last thing i would say is technology i i I am shocked on how many people um are not keeping up with technology and not keeping up with the different things that are going on with videos and different things that are going on into software. If you're going to be in learning and development, you've got to stay sharp on that stuff. Um, there's tons of resources out there. We've got friends that are doing different things. I know, Dan, you talk to Betty a lot, Betty Danowitz on mm-hmm. AR stuff. And at the end of the day, there is so many people out there that are giving free education on this stuff of how to do it. Get out there and learn it, because when you get into the field, yeah. I will tell you in my organization, one of the biggest things that we're looking for is how do we push learning forward into the next generation. And if you're not keeping up with technology and all you're doing is PowerPoints, you to be left behind and, and not really adding
0: value to that organization. I think, I think so. So yeah, you did hit on. Um, I, I want to circle back to that free idea because there is a lot of kind of free ways that you can level up a skill set online, yeah. which are very useful. Um, but you got to look at kind of the value of low cost of entry to other courses too. Like I'd recently taken, which I talked about a lot on the last podcast with, yep. uh, with Betty D and, uh, Destry Hildebrand. Um, they, they were both facilitators in the AR courses. I took the augmented reality courses and, and those were relatively inexpensive courses. Now, somebody that's getting off the ground and learning development, they're probably not going to do that, but to find those sort of courses and the, uh, uh, the platform just to give Alex Salas one more plug, it's um, eLearning Launch is the name of that platform and he has legit professionals that have been doing stuff for a long time teaching courses on stuff and they're they're pretty cheap courses. and one of the nice things about those, just like if you were to take a course at um, at a technical college, which is kind of what I did, um, you get to communicate with other people. Now, the difference between the courses that I took at a community college or, or a technical college is you're probably all going to be on the same level. Like you're all kind of entry level. Maybe you're at different stages of your career, but you're all more or less entry level into L&D. Whereas these sort of courses might be um, taking them through e-learning launch, there was a, a much more significant blend of L&D experience in the room. And that's something that – Adam, you had you had made the – uh, the comment, the, the rather off-handed comment, you know, know the difference between facilitation and presentation, which is an obvious thing to know the difference between when you've been at it for a minute. But how do you get the lingo, right? How do you sound like you know what the hell you're talking about? And... I might suggest, uh, and I know I've suggested it before. It's been a while since I've done one, but the uh, every Thursday evening on Twitter there is a, a hashtag LRNCHAT, learn chat, that um, has a ton of seriously pedigreed learning professionals, like the f-ing players that are out there, and then everybody all the way down to the bottom, uh, and they will. Um, they talk the lingo, but it's an open conversation. So there are legit conversations that happen on, uh, on that cesspool known as Twitter that may bring you some value. <laughs> You're still going <laughs> against Twitter, aren't you? Well, it's a giant pile of garbage, but aside from that, <laughs>
1: yes. Most be Learning has a Twitter handle. It's at twitter.com
0: <laughs> I'm not sure that's accurate. That sounds more like an email address. No, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Like- yeah, it's Mosby learning. Hold, slash, on, hold, hold on, hold on. I, I, I to a
2: keep a tabs. Matt, does Mosby have a handle on Parlor?
0: Uh, no, <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you it's don't not. Have, yeah. But it does have a TikTok.
1: But yeah, no, Mosby Learning is uh, it's it's just Mosby Learning on Twitter. There you with go. Followers
0: and yeah. We should probably put some stuff on that account, uh, Adam. Uh, okay. So I think, I hope that, um, good sir, I hope that gives you and anybody else in your situation some some leverage to, to find your way out there. Build um, build a portfolio. Yeah.
1: And I did want to say one other thing on the portfolio thing. Okay. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to hire quite a few people this year um, in the last year. Well, last 12 months uh, Mm -hmm. over COVID, you know, mortgage business rates, all this stuff. And I will tell you with that opportunity to hire a lot of people through the team and the team did tons of interviews and everything. We really wouldn't look at people that didn't have a portfolio, especially on the design side. It's like, I'm a designer. Okay. Do you have a portfolio? If they said no... It really raised a lot of red flags for sure. my managers. They would say, you know why This person doesn't even have a portfolio. And, and I understand like proprietary information. So I'm not saying go to your company, steal that information, make your own portfolio. It's not about the the topic. It's about the skills of creating and disseminating that information and yeah. put it out there. And we're looking at your design. And I can tell you some of the people that we were able to hire, they had that stuff. And if you don't, you're really, you're starting from the get go and setting yourself behind some of the other people that do, and it, it's stuff you can put together, you know, in, in your spare time. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you <laughs> for time. the, uh, the yeah. final word. <laughs> <laughs> but not everybody has three kids. Yeah. Yeah, a brood of children. Yes. <laughs> um, so there are a couple articles that we uh, are going to, are going to touch on a little bit here. And I know, so we're recording this. Uh, after 10 p.m. Eastern time. So we're not going to be here forever, kids, but let's talk about a couple things. Let's talk about Adam. Uh, no, Eli. Eli, can yes. you walk us through this next article? And I'll just introduce the title and the author, and I'll ask you to take it away. This is called How Long Does It Take to Develop Training? New Question, New Answers by Robin DeFelice. DeFelice? DeFelice, is that right? Mm-hmm. Robin Defelice, that sounds right. All right, yeah, Mr. Baran. tell us a story. Did you
2: guys peruse the article or no?
0: I I perused it. Adam, did you peruse it? I Adam passed it along. Yeah, he Adam <laughs> has, is the full so, content provider of this program.
2: <laughs> what I what I thought was interesting about this, and especially going back to our last uh, podcast about the ATD uh, capability model, is this is like an ATD survey, right? Of how long it's taking. Uh, to create courses and create survey or create courses, right? And how long it's taking to develop surveys is so what talking about their survey well, that they're so using.
0: The only thing that I don't know now, actually, I, I do want to qualify that just a little bit. Now, uh, Robin, a Defelice does she wrote this on, and this is from TD.org. And we'll include this in the show notes, of course, mosby.ca slash zero three zero. But I, I don't know that this is actually a
2: ATD uh, survey.
0: I don't know that it's an ATD survey because I, I mean, she, I think she's a player the, in my
2: ATD and I, I kind of, I, I interpreted it that way.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So what I found interesting about this article is, especially coming from a field that, you know, Adam, you and I are, are, are in, um, they said, talk about the, the, One of the things that they've changed for this model was that they're no longer reporting the time required to create uh isn't for how long it how long what how long the content is going to be right so when somebody comes Mm -hmm. i need you to make an hour of content it's not about an hour of content anymore it's about the content how like getting the content the required objectives taken care of i thought that was very refreshing right because you can say i need you to, to to achieve these three objectives and sometimes it takes You know 30 40 minutes and they're like well we wanted an hour well do you want the objectives (laughs) covered you want an hour what's more important (laughs) but right you know so i think that's very refreshing that that's been taken into account but then you kind of go into it i'm kind of thinking like i'm in mortgages i'm in i'm in banking and there are government agencies that come in and say we need you to have 15 hours of training on this well well, why why
0: what does well, the time have to do with it and my work. wife
2: does does things with government agencies too for for her business and she has to train her staff she has to do 15 hours minimum training uh, uh on these five things why why sure. why can't you just train those five things like what is the time like there's this disc there's this there's this imaginary connection between the amount of time and the ability to achieve the outcome the objectives so i think that's yeah you know, there's competing interests out there. I think that's one of the biggest things I took away from this. Um Well, I think that's
1: one. And I, I got a, a funny story about that. Um I was talking to uh, one of one of my team members
0: and he we'll, uh, we'll be the judge of the funny – Yeah, uh, funny, you are
2: me to that one, Dan.
1: Tyler, I sat I, I, I back on that one and then you got it. <laughs> uh, interesting sorry he's taking his master's and in one of the classes he just started was instructional design and a big part of his grade this year is to create a course and i'm like oh cool tell me about it so we were talking about it and he's like yeah it's got to be a three-hour course i was like and i said the same thing why and yeah. he's like well it has to be three hours to show i was like But why I was like, if you're creating an instructional design course, you should go back to the professor and go, what are your outcomes and what are the things that you want to get out of this? Let me show you that Versus saying, I need to create a three hour course with activities. And he's like, well, you know, and he talked about having different activities. I go, but go back to your analysis and talk about what is the outcome that you're trying to actually achieve here? Um, So that was my funny story
2: i think Mm -hmm. it's a very good uh, story that goes along with it i just didn't find it funny um (laughs) (laughs) wow you gotta watch those
0: adjectives
2: (laughs) (laughs) so but it was was very uh very relevant um no but there's other things too that i saw in here um you know barriers for faster production and i think one of the biggest pieces to that and things that i overcome you know i run into when it comes to building content and uh from your perspective adam you have that perspective where you're um you know Mm -hmm. your folks are reporting up to you and then you're reporting to the teams that are you know they're they're delivering to that your team's delivering to so some of that comes into is what are your roles right so like my role i'm developing content but i'm also delivering content so how long it takes is going to be how many other projects am I managing at the same time. If I have all the resources that are available to me and I'm just knocking out this one project, then I can work on things pretty quickly. Uh, That never happens (laughs) because because I'm working on other stuff. So it all depends, you know, those barriers to faster production. Another thing that they used in here is that word. uh, I think we've talked about it on a previous podcast, but they talked about, um, where is it here? Uh, got note, all, notes all over the place i got to kind of find it um they're talking about <laughs> is, it Mike,
0: is it a definition of oh creep scope creep
2: scope yeah. creep oh so there's always you know scope creep and you know things that are finding their way into it and especially when you're meeting with your stakeholders and, and who are the people who are requesting the material you know they'll say you know i want to cover x y and z and then you'll start building it and you're like well what about could you put this in there too the, Well, that do you, I don't know. Do you want to add that objective? Because that's something different, right? You know, make sure we cover yeah. this, that, and the other thing. And it's being able to you kind of keep that focus on the middle of the dartboard and not the whole dartboard um, for the whole for the whole item. So I think there are some interesting concepts in here. And it may, this mainly talked about the survey, right? Of how of the people that are, how it's coming about. That it doesn't really come into okay. Here's how you can create your material faster which i think would be a very beneficial article um mm-hmm. but it's more that that that's you know this is more about like what people said about what's slowing them down right sure yeah. Yeah.
1: One. Yeah, I think she did a great job of kind of analyzing the, the actual survey. I, I'm more looking at the hours that, that stuck out to me. And I think I think I screenshotted some of the hours to Dan. And I was like, wow. So, you know, when, when you look at it, she's saying 67. And this is not her, right? This is, you know, 197 people. So, that's a pretty big sample size. 67 hours on average to develop 23, hour, 23 minutes of learning, right? So, if you took a week-long course... Right, and let's say it's seven hours actual training, right? And you divide that, and you build it out. It's multiple thousand. It would take you ten years to build that course. So I don't know who's spending sixty-seven hours to build twenty-three minutes of average module. To me, that's just way. Could I? I couldn't even imagine. So if you know, if if I had a week long course, five days, it's thirty-five hours divided by sixty minutes, and and then you know times that by the twenty-three minutes, it's going to take me. Well, yeah,
2: the only thing I can think of is they're talking about from when they started the project to when they finished, and not the actual time they actually worked on it.
0: Well, and so I think I think the, the the real challenge with this, and and it's you know to to be fair to them, it, it seems like they're tr- they're trying to ask all the right questions, uh, or, you <laughs> know, Robin, at all here. But um, the the real challenge has to do, I think, with the content and the the mechanisms and the. Um, I don't want to say modalities, but like the the, the nature of the material. Because they even reference – so let's just look at that classroom example. 23 minutes of uh, of an average module of classroom length, which maybe that's like without commercials. I'm not sure I understand why it's 23 minutes. Let
1: me figure it out. So it's 40 hours. Times 60 minutes, right? Yeah. Divide by 23 minutes. It's a hundred and four <laughs> average modules, and then times that by sixty-seven hours. That course would take me seven thousand okay, I'm rounding six thousand nine hundred and
2: ninety-one hours to complete. Now, to you said you were month.
0: a history major or math? What were you a major in? <laughs> My math.
2: Hey, live <laughs> math. You give everybody a pass on pass on live math. Like yes. yeah. No, Fair but enough. It, Fair but enough. It, I
1: mean, think about scoping that. Hey, we're gonna create a a a course. A yeah. week-long course, okay, 40 hours a course, okay, and that's even breaks. It's going to take me 6,900 hours to create. And mm-hmm. so for one trainer, that's going to take them 174 weeks to create.
2: Well, <laughs> I think what's mind. even okay. crazier so is one that one trainer- the online oh, course, quite right, right? the virtual course was t- okay. less time. Yeah. <laughs> there was was so many time. 141 it,
1: hours. one
0: trainer- Yeah, but 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 if you put this in perspective,
1: that's the average time, and I say average time a classroom. If I have one trainer working on it full time, forty hours a week, not even giving them you know time for full productivity, it would take me three point three years to create a week long course. Mm. Maybe I'm in the wrong business, but I've I could not imagine going back to executives say, "Oh yeah, a week long course, fantastic!" It's going to take me three point three years to do. Mm.
0: That's the average. The the, so uh, well, I think. Mm. going back to my original point I was trying to get to um, <laughs> which which didn't have as much to do with math it had to do more with the content of the material so classroom training like sure. that could be anywhere right that could be how to write a smart goal that could be how to have how to fire somebody that could be how to I don't know how to do CPR. So there's a sure. million different things that that could be, right? And that's kind of one of the challenges with this. And this this came into play with this survey, I guess, this year because they added microlearning as a thing. But then microlearning they've grouped in infographics, podcasts, videos, and e-learning. So e-learning is, I think, depends on how you make it, you know, because there's some pretty rapid tools sure. like uh, uh, Articulate Rise. that, Not yeah, to say it's a sweet. slam dunk but uh, from what i've seen of it like you can put something together in quick, pretty quick order but uh, a podcast compared to a video like if you have to build an animated v- explainer video as yep. opposed to recording a 10 minute conversation like they're not even in the same world you know mm-hmm. um so it's it's just it's it's difficult the adding that micro learning uh, it's just, it's a smaller version of anything else. I, so I don't know if it deserved its own category. It, that's, that's a tough one. It's, I it's didn't tough. see
2: nano learning on here anywhere.
0: Ah, <laughs> nano learning. <laughs> it's a nice callback. Whatever happened to that? I think it was a fad, but it,
1: it definitely, I think it was a fad.
2: <laughs> and how long do you think it took them to develop the ipad modules for the 737 boeing max
0: oh the boeing max yeah which yeah, just yeah, went yeah, back yeah.
2: which again coming back full circle to one of our podcasts from previous yeah. those just went back in the air they did they just yeah, got for right now, for <laughs> now. <laughs> till,
0: till, they, till they drop out of it
2: the other thing better better ipad that, courses that's
1: right <laughs> So maybe they need to be spending the top side, 141. Maybe they yeah, to I'm not letting that one go, by the way.
2: I'll, I'll take that one to my grave.
1: There you go. I, you know, there, there was one other thing I thought that was interesting in the survey though is, and, and I, I'd ask you guys, you're in different places is if you look at that e-learning side, there's the, a lot of responses on the passive, less than partial engagement, even less than moderate engagement. And it really drops off in the full engagement. And it's, I wonder, I'm curious, are you guys creating anything that's really full engagement or modern engagement? Or is the type of the business moving so fast? Because it's interesting because the amount of responses even dropped. And so I wonder how many people are really having the opportunity to build full engagement from a timing perspective. So,
0: so I just for the sake of the audience here, because this is an audio format, you may have pulled it up in front of you, but if you aren't, so the, the 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 training product description for here is an e-learning, and it is a full engagement many, which is described as many immersive games scenarios or simulations and yeah of the uh, 200 plus people that uh kind of responded to the survey at general only 60 of them uh, or 59 responded to this particular piece um and just since i'm jabbering already i think the the speed it, it depends you know because I've, I've got a relatively small team that uh, that i work with and uh we're all we're all rather specialized but um I think generally the business is looking for faster solutions. So we don't have the luxury of like full engagement. We might kind of sprinkle some engagement in, um, but it depends on the kind of problem we're trying to solve, but not as engaging as, uh, as an
2: ideal world would allow. I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Like, you know, in. if you had the time right if you had the 67 hours right to to put towards a course or whatever i think you could build that maximum engagement i think um you know all depends on you know the the stakeholders and what they're looking for are they looking for a check the box right Mm -hmm. which is very popular right now hey we need to get something out um and we need to make sure that we can verify the engagement really comes at the end that you uh give your uh attestation that you read and understand the material right (laughs) like that's a very popular thing right now uh just to make sure you know to get things out and cover your butt but uh then you have the other engagement okay this is really important we really make sure people are are dialed in and they're learning this because this stuff's important um and then you spend a little more time in developing those things and i can tell you um not myself personally because i got roped into a different project where i'm doing a lot more live training um, than developing e-learning over the last 12 months but um, i do have some some members of my team that have been able to learn articulate and be able to build in a lot of uh, engagement. I guess I call it moderate engagement. It's nothing that mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's, you know, something that, that that highest level, but it's definitely keeping people's attention where they're not just watching a, ver- a you know, a, a motorized PowerPoint being read to them to keep them engaged and learn what they're doing. Like actual software demonstration where they have to click the buttons and do the actions on the screen. I think that's raw That's fantastic. So um, I think those are coming where they're needed. Um, but for sense of uh speed to uh, uh speed to, to getting those things out it's you know get the material out cover the bases check the box and then the last thing in the engagement is did you understand the material do you understand check in the box kind of thing
0: yep so all right adam uh last word over to you if you wanted on this one
2: no i i just think the
1: these numbers uh are very high and and i'd love to i'd love to actually have more information in these numbers like you know when next time she does these surveys i'd love to understand what's all incorporated into it Mm -hmm. because it talks about development you know and i can see the numbers working if if you're taking off maybe SME sign-offs and some of that kind of area but actual development it seems very high to me um, yeah. You know, when I'm looking at some of the numbers. and I,
0: I mean, again, that depends on what the sort of thing is that they're building. And I know that, uh, that, like I say, Robin et al., they've tried to sure. uh, break this down into just page turners or, or the high engagement stuff. But then it even depends on... I guess page turners—that kind of explains itself. You're just writing shit on a page, but um, <laughs> so that one's easy. But you know, for the other ones like classroom or online, virtual, those sort of things, it depends on how much is going into there, how much interactivity, sure. how much coming and Han. So that's how much do you need to it, learn it, the material? Yeah, yeah, that's another good one too. Yeah, all right, um, Adam, you, and and yeah, you brought us both of these articles, which is very interesting. The other one, I'll just. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, what what's the other one adam <laughs> thank you dan yeah.
1: um yeah no it's the uh actually a great article i i thought it was a great reminder um from cindy huggett and training industry magazine so she just publishes um for those of you who don't know cindy huggett she's got her own consulting firm she does a ton in the virtual engagement space yeah. uh in virtual training she's she, she's a Stone Cold Killer, yep. Yes, and we actually talking for information. you can plug her and plug her website because there is a lot of resources on her website about how to do virtual training and whatnot. And I just came across this article and it basically, I mean, it's a summary, it, but it does talk about, you know, I think in today's world is very relevant and how do we measure results in virtual training? Um, and she went through just some strategies for success. And, you know, when I look at it, I thought there was some, definite interesting things. And I think at the end of the day, that's a problem right now with a lot of the shifts towards, we had ILT, we had classroom, and now everything's VILT for a lot of companies, right? I mean, there's definitely people training people that are back in the office, but you know, I know in my world, it's, it's, it's been 100% virtual for I mean we're buttoned up on a full year of not even being in the office, and how do we measure success of that? And I think uh, she has some good points in here about not just changing it. You know, I think we found that you actually have to design for virtual. Um, hmm. You know, we were in a panic when everybody went home, so we just like, hey, that's a you know ILT uh, ILT class, let's make it virtual. So she talks about these nine different steps of of what to do and so i i'm going to kind of run through them I, I had some questions that i wrote down for you guys of what do you do and so is the first two are pretty standard right standard about analysis and and what she defines them as is when you're creating these VIOTs, you know defining the problem and determining measurable outcomes and i will tell you i we have a challenge in my organization about being able to define the problem and being, having actual measurements for a lot of the training that we do. So I wanted to ask you guys, we, we <laughs> probably, in theory, think about the define the problem determine measurable outcomes, but how much are you guys able to do that in your organizations? And you know, how often are you actually able to create training with the metrics up front?
2: The measurables thing is something that's come up. That's a reoccurring theme on this podcast. Is defining yeah. those measurables. I know Dan, you've spoken to that a lot. Like somebody comes to you and says, "I would like a training on this." Well, okay. Well, how do we measure it? And yeah. you know, a lot of times, there's a measurement that says this is how we measure it. But how many times does it really get measured to see if it's really having that impact? I think a lot of it is that gut feel of how you think it's being impacted. But also, kind of going back to the uh, what we covered in the last one, or so, like just cover your butt. Just th- you know, just make sure this is in the training. Right. So there's some of those things that are out there. They have no idea whether they're throwing that tagline that uh, this so and so this this is required if that makes a difference. But it just has to be in the training. So I think uh, these two things, defining the problems and the measurable outcomes are are pretty important. If for nothing else, um, helping you narrow that scope of what the training is going to be about. So it does kind of be focused on that. If you get the measurables and kind of can match it up against it, that's great. But I think uh, for targeting the problem, it's probably the mo- Those are probably the two most important things, right?
0: I, uh, for, for, from my perspective, the, you know, defining the problem has never been so much of an issue. You know, I think you just have to, that's, that's one of the things that we need to do as uh, L and D pros. You just got to probe enough to find out, okay, what's the actual situation here. Uh, and then you try to try to get them to commit to a few words on paper to say, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the, the determining measurable outcomes that that's obviously, I think the, the tricky one, it sounds like we're in agreement there. And um you know, I've I seem to find myself continually creating things for new technologies that are implemented. Um, so, and, and I think she actually addresses that in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's always a hard one too, because it's like, okay, well, there's no certain set of errors that we're experiencing right now that we're applying a fix to it. It's like, here's a new system for this part of the business. And the the whole idea is adoption at that point. Uh, and she, she kind of brings it up in the article. Um, I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere in here just implying like maybe to kind of look for actual uh, adoption behaviors and say, well, uh, maybe it's in the survey or something like that. where you say, Are you using it or something? I don't know. But uh, but yeah, adoption seems to be one of the biggest measurables that I seem to use uh, or, or that, you know, the, the business could use. I remember, I don't even know when the hell it was we, we had talked about it, but I remember talking about Fortnite as it applies, the game Fortnite, as it applies to this, because it's it's an incredibly popular game, right? Um, if, if you're not familiar, it's just basically you're on an island, you, you shoot people. Uh, ta-da, there you go. That's it, right? But they they have a reward system that's in place. And I don't want to draw a game gamification line here. That's not necessarily what I'm going for, but they have a reward system in place that you can play around terribly and get killed very early on. And then maybe you still got an award because you did this thing. Um, And it's because they have a multitude of different challenges and they keep track of every character, every, you know, every avatar or player In every essence and thing that they do, so that they measure all the things all the time, and you're able to then see any change or any difference in performance from one thing to another. Even you just checked one more thing off the list. And, you know, their business is the measurement of those actions so that they can keep people playing, so that they can get people spending time and spending money. And it doesn't seem like that's a thing that will ever be part of business. I don't know that. Business in general would want to do that, but it seems like if it was possible and if we were doing that, and not that I want to, like that, it seems very big brotherly. Like we want to track every email and and watch all your keystrokes and all that sort of stuff. But it, in order to really measure some successes or to to have the the multitude of measurements we may want, we may want, it's it's a it's just an incredible burden to try to keep track of all that shit. So I, I think there's mm-hmm. going to be. I think this will be the perpetual tension between we can't track everything. We can't take the time to measure every single damn thing that every TPS report that we fill out. We can't take the time to look at that stuff because we have it, business to do.
2: Yeah, I think one of the more another thing that kind of falls on that is whose responsibility that's got to be defined, too, is whose responsibility is it to measure? yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it the tr- is it the, the 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 trainer the the person who develops the training, um, or is the business mm-hmm. unit or stakeholder? Okay, these are the numbers. These are how they improve. And they come back and they say, okay, yeah. let's tweak this training. Let's I, tweak this. I
0: think that's got to be the business.
2: It, I think it's got to be the business unit too. But a lot of times, yeah. they just they just think that the training, you know, the, well, the trainers, the the structural designers are going to fix it all. And you, that's not yeah. what we do. You give us the tools. We build yeah. the house. Right, like
1: yeah.
2: it's uh, you know we can only know the business so well because we're not doing the job every day.
0: We well, I think GMT that's now. that's the analysis part of it too, right? Like the business is too busy to keep track of some of these things, so maybe they do lean on on us for a certain analysis piece sometimes. I'd believe that, you know. Yeah. And I and and I think because we have a vested interest in proving our worth, I'd be kind of interested in helping with that. I say, oh, okay, well if you give me a spreadsheet, yeah, I can crunch some numbers. I'm happy to do that. Mhm um, yeah, because that that seems like it'd be to the greater good, I don't know, I think it just depends upon the metrics that you're trying to
1: trying to impact, right some of that stuff, yeah, of course, we could try, but and then there's other metrics that we did you know it, i I guess it it gets to a point where you know where's the resource coming from? Right, that resource capacity is that. Then does that trainer now become an analytics person? And how much of that does that resource capacity come from that trainer being the analytics person? Um, and I don't know what the right answer is there, or wh- what do they do. But you know, do you have a training analytics person versus creating new training for the business change that is inevitably going to be coming right behind that
0: from a measurement side? All right. So what else is uh, is. Um cindy yeah, talking so about there,
1: there's a couple other things that they, they, so she broke her article up into things to do kind of prior to the training and then during mm-hmm. training and then after training so i, I did want to point out two other parts that I thought were kind of interesting to talk to you guys about is, you know, when you're, after you design the training is, is really two, three things, right? is you got to design a relevant interactive program. She talks about, <laughs> I think it's interesting, and this will be something for discussion to talk about, but using virtual classes for discussion, collaboration, practice, and feedback. Um, the other article is about the things that she talks about when you're in class, you know, ensuring everybody knows the expected outcome and use platform tools creatively, but I want to ask you guys too. Looking at this, is if we really are using virtual classes for um, discussion, collaboration, practice, and feedback? Do you guys cap your classes? And if so, where? Right? And 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 I'm bringing this up as a as a really relevant example because we've been on hiring for frenzy in the last you know 12 months. And for all intents and purposes, we used to try to cap classes, but when you're have limited Mm -hmm. resources sometimes you have to just expand them um and so where do you guys make the cut and you know how much are you making the cut and then and then we'll talk about engagement too and we can be engagement for that dead horse but i I did also want to talk about what some of the tools you're using currently to create engagement so talk about that it's kind of twofold but i did want to get your guys pick your brain on where do you cap classes what have you seen that's working and are you capping some of your classes um,
2: I mean I think what mean? I have had this discussion we've had some just like you guys uh, we've had some cases in our in our organization where the hiring has been crazy right and we've got limited resources of trainers that can train like I said we're kind of we've got kind of all gotten very specialized so that not everybody can train and overlap those things there's a few but not not a lot. And, you know, one of the things we've done is using the tools creatively to cap those to reduce those classes as best we can. In some cases, we just can't do it. Um, But in other cases, we've built like homework models and do it yourself type stuff where we recap it um, and you split the class in half. So if, um, you know, let's say that you have 40 new hires and you've got to train them, 40 is just crazy to have all on at once. But we can do two half days of 20 and Give them mm-hmm. other things to do, either build e learnings or have them do shadowing or other items to help build that that learning, just to kind of keep them more engaged. Also, trying to keep somebody in a virtual classroom, I think that's that's one of the things that's really lost that I haven't seen in anything that I've read through this whole thing is trying to do full day trainings virtual. I, I that is a recipe for disaster, right? We've cut mm-hmm. any class that we used to do full day we've cut it in half just to in trying to find other ways to keep people engaged, because there's no way that the learner is going to get what you want them to get out of it through that time. And as far as capping classes um, the one rule of thumb that I think makes sense and I'm not in management, so I don't make this decision, but if you wouldn't train them, train that many people live in person, why would you even think to do that virtually? Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, – if you wouldn't train over 20 people – if you wouldn't train over 20 people in a room, uh, why would you think to do more virtually? Because you, it, it's so much harder to keep people engaged. It's so much harder to uh, make sure you're paying that much attention. One of the things I miss most about teaching live is the ability to read people's faces and and, and pick up and move things on. I mean we're yeah. running into bandwidth issues. Like people don't have – especially with kids at home doing virtual learning during the same time, like you can't run video all the time. Like there's just like, if kids are either on class or they're on uh, Xbox or they're watching Netflix or things like that, you, we've had (laughs) instances where our entire network of Webex, the video goes down because there's so many meetings going on at the same time. Um, so that that's something you need to try and overcome. So using the tools creatively, I think is huge, you know, breakout rooms, giving, um, yep. you know, giving assignments off, off class time, or whatever. Uh, I do office hours, I hand out assignments, and then like during the yep. morning. They can come to me and, you know, we can work out the homework if they're struggling or just to kind of get more answers for it. Um, That's one of the things that I've done to try and try and manage that. But, yeah, the the capping the classes thing, I just think that if you're really trying to because the other thing that hasn't been able to be done because of that hiring speed, I'm kind of going on and on. Sorry about that, um, is with with the way that things change so fast because it was literally overnight. Right. You are teaching a class live Mm -hmm. and in person for eight hours a day. To next week, you got to do it all via WebEx, and it hasn't the, the the spigot of of new hires has not stopped. We have not been able to fully flip our material over to virtual to be mm-hmm. virtual because you just don't have the time. Yeah, so you're trying to and, and make think, you you're, know catch you're up as best you can.
1: Yeah, and that's that that incites a challenge because it. it I think you use the word where a lot of learning professionals are at right now is flip it. Rather than like we because we had to all shift or a lot of us right majority um, you know the had to go home, everybody's flipping I content that was created for the classroom and flipping it to virtual, versus starting with the end in mind. And I think there's two different things, right? You're 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 putting band aids on things and duct tape and saying, oh well, let's do a breakout group or you know we're seeing a lot of success with some of these. Poll questions um, like Mentimeter, we're using a Kahoot, and you know, just to change it up, right? To get them <clears> even <throat> thinking differently. And but those are band aid, they weren't designed in a lot of the classes for that. With the end in mind of hey, this is going to be virtual, how do we create engagement? How do we stop people from multitasking? Hell, I mean, everybody's multitasking multiple times, so it's, it's critical and actually it goes back to that article that we were talking about on time to create. They actually say the virtual takes less time to develop, on average, at least in the article and the survey. I would argue to keep real engagement; it probably actually would take more time to create. But you know, that's just something for me to think about. I just I think it's it's harder to create the virtual class.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I I kind of agree, and I think there's because you can't rely on the the, the casual chit chat and the pulling things as much from the audience, you know. And there's for you know any object objection 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 there's there's going to be a reasonable way to overcome it so yes of course participants can provide input via virtual but it's not always the same you can't make eye contact with somebody on the other side of the room and say hey what are your thoughts here Ugo, Hmm. hmm? and because because they can't see, you can't see them it's 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 trickier for sure so i kind of agree with that
1: Yeah. Yeah, And, you know, kind of wrap up this article. She talks a little bit more at the end. um, Put a bow on it. Put a bow on it. Yeah. You know, because we could talk about the tools and, you know, kind of doing that stuff. But she talks a little bit about checking for application and focus on change behaviors. But I thought she had a great example in here of this common misconception that some skills simply can't be taught in a virtual classroom. Um, It's a... I think most things can be can be taught virtual if it's designed with that in mind. And she actually gives an example of a virtual class to teach hotel housekeepers how to make a bed to ban standards might involve webcams for skill demonstrations and you know ultimately about using the tools creatively to do it virtual. And I, I thought that was just a great way to really think about it is like Yeah, you don't think making beds, you can do a virtual, but with webcams and getting creative, I mean, Dan, you've done some creative stuff with virtuals before. You can train a lot of skills, I think, if you do a virtual, but you got to think about it and you have to really design it for it.
0: Yeah, and you know, I was actually—it's funny because I was watching a uh, a Ray Jimenez video um, from uh, maybe two weeks ago. I mean, that man is prolific when it comes to his his little micro uh, micro maybe. install installments. Uh, but he was talking; it was the same idea. He used the example of a mechanic, though, uh, and like, well, how do you know? And this this comes back to the how do you how do you know the input? Well, if they can share their cameras, and if they're if the web session was developed to have people attend it via their mobile device they can use the camera on their mobile device to show you the thing that they're doing so they can demonstrate the thing you taught them via virtual so yeah yeah there's there's any way around any number of issues it's just you got to develop it the right way yeah all right, gentlemen, thank you very much for talking through those. And you will find both of those articles. The uh, the first one was, How Long Does It Take to Develop Training? New question, new answer. That was from td.org. This one was from trainingindustry.com. And that was Measuring Virtual Training Strategies for Success by the... Uh, the Stone Cold Killer, Cindy Huggett. So we'll have, uh, like I say, both of those at mosby.ca/slash-zero-three-zero. And the last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about—I don't even know if we're going to have time to talk about this tonight, gents. Uh, we'll 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 see what the appetite is because it's uh, it's getting a little late here on the uh, uh, in the east part of the uh, the, the hemisphere here. But uh, I guess, <laughs> and, and I don't intend to. I know <laughs> how do you how do you approach this right you,
1: I was say you're gonna start it by beating around the bush on it
0: yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get some me, out for here. me. Uh, no I think so and and I don't intend to get political I don't I don't imagine any of us will really get political in this part of the conversation but I think we can all agree that the uh tensions are high tensions are high right now and I don't
2: know what tensions
0: seem to <laughs> Everything's cool here, man. Um, I think I think we could all agree that things could be a little more chill. Uh, but it seems as though the Internet has completely fucked up everything that it touches. And, you know, L D should be this beautiful little garden that we all hang out and have a great time. Uh, but it seems as though the the way that the Internet has groomed all of us to communicate has kind of... Uh, reared its, its ugly little head insofar as if people bring up certain things that I've seen in social media, and learning styles is, is actually the hot button. Uh, if you bring up learning styles, there is a particular crew of people that will damn near crucify you for propagating lies and mistruths. Now, I don't know enough in the world to say whether things are true or are not true. Yeah. Um, Sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I'll call on you when I'm ready. <laughs> um, but it, it, the, the things that I've seen of learning styles, it's that there's no actual science to support it. That's what I've seen. Uh and I and I've I've recently downloaded a paper because I saw one recent outburst and thought, well Jesus Christ, I better figure this thing out before I before I get crucified myself. Um but it, it just it it makes me sad that in in a group that should be pretty pretty open and friendly and we're in generally a supportive group of each other that we see somebody that maybe didn't know something that we knew we we've known something for two years um but this this jerk doesn't know it yet so i'm gonna shit all over him you know like that i i just it's such a bad way to fly and and i don't know where it's coming from i don't know um, I, I I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Adam, what what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. It's, it's not even the learning style debate. It's, it's starting to become on just a lot of the comments on a, a lot of different things, right? Um, when people are disagreeing and it's no, that's not an, it's not even, Hey, have you checked out this article? It literally gets into, um, really attacking some of the people, which, you know, when we talk about, what's happening you, you we started this podcast talking about how do you get into the industry we said you know yeah. create content but yeah, don't bring out.
0: up learning styles that's that's <laughs>
1: that's, that's <laughs> <the> point <laughs> well <laughs> actually probably pretty popular but you know at the end of the day put your content out there but it seems like there's I, I want to say the haters but there's all these people negatively posting across the board versus trying to solution things. And what's scary to me as as learning professionals is People in our classes are going to fail. That's part of the learning process, right? Try it, Try it, get out there, try things. And people that are making content, it's hard enough to make content, right? Like so many people don't do it. They're afraid to put content yeah. out there. They're afraid to do anything. And when somebody does that and they get just beat down for any of those reasons, I mean, I'm not a kumbaya guy, but like that's I have some respect for the people that are at least trying to... Well, further their career, further the conversation, talk about things and and possibly use it as a learning opportunity for them. And again, I'm not trying to be kumbaya, everybody get along, but it's just us as a, the educators of corporate really need to kind of take a step back and say, hey, within our own ranks, we should be helping each other and all together having conversations on different things. Yeah, I think
2: remembering where you came from, remembering where you started is a really big thing um also i think with that is the the assumption so you guys ever have that moment where you know something inside and out, whether it be about what we're talking about right now or something that you have an interest in or something you follow really closely and then you hear it talked about in the general news and you just go to yourself Mm -hmm. that's not that's not how it really works but they're talking yeah. about it as if it's fact, right? Well, yeah. That's happens with everything, right? You, we all have our own specialties. And then when someone outside of those specialties talks about them, they get things wrong all the time. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to learn to let some of that stuff go. It's not always yeah. like I can't go to bed tonight, something's wrong on the internet. Come on. Stop <laughs> taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> Yeah. someone is I think wrong it's it's actually happening.
1: It, i think it's actually happening i i just you know wish they wish they were we have such an opportunity there's so many things and and that's the part where i think you know you go back okay education how do you continue to learn about learning there gets a point where i think sometimes people are learning too much about learning and you know i look at learning so much about everything great team yeah, you learn too much about everything and then you, they think that we're, you know, I, but I look at some of these, you know, trainers that I get an opportunity to work with and they come from the business and I'm like, uh, they don't know any shit about training. They kind of tell me Bloom's took on me, but they are amazing trainers. Like, amazing. And it's like, yeah, they didn't know what Bloom's is. And they may say learning styles is this or an house curve is that and, you know, you know, body language is this, right? Like, all myth, you know, technically myths, but you know what? They're really good trainers, and they just maybe not be able to articulate some of the academia research papers that are are out there. And I, I'll tell you, the business is getting results. So I'm going to lean towards the business and forget the you know tech papers that are sometimes
0: created. That's so that's a real a real challenge. I mean, you brought up the Ebbinghaus curve, and three years ago, you couldn't go to an ATD session without hearing about the Ebbinghaus curve, right? And and I, I've talked about it. It 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 feels it it's one of those things that certainly feels right. Um turns out it was it's like 150 years old. It was based on a population of 60 people or something. So it doesn't exactly maybe it's not a hundred percent right. Um, but it, it certainly feels right. The idea that people forget stuff over time if you don't address it. That just on a gut level, it's like, yeah, obviously dum-dum. Um so so like you said, Adam, if you're getting results using the ideas that you're using, does yeah. it? Is I don't know, is this a moral question? I, like, I don't know what this is. Does it matter if the thing is true or not?
1: Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, a, a, another famous one everyone talks about, right. like 70, 20, 10, right? You know, 70% is, you know, on the job, 20, what's it, 20, informal, 10, informal. It's not exact, right? Like, everyone gets it, but the reality is, what it's saying directionally is people learn great from hands-on. So take these things, maybe not as as gospel, and say, yeah, kind of makes sense. Okay, well, if I can give more people more hands-on training, they're probably going to do a little bit better because they're doing it in the in the flow of work.
2: Oh, I think you know the. I think that's something that a lot of people can learn from is, uh, is going to a lot of different sources instead of going to just this one source to get all your information. Uh, I'll leave it at that, but going from different places and then kind of pulling everything together and coming up with the picture in the middle. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that like you, you, we would all be best served if we kind of went around and said, okay, this, okay, you said this, that kind of makes sense. So what does the total opposite think about this exact same thing? Oh, okay. it, I, I can see their points there. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of see where things kind of, you know, wh- where's the Venn diagram and the things in the middle, right? <laughs> like, I think that's yeah. where we could all be best served. If we if we didn't just, you be so, uh, the purity testing always drives me crazy about anything, right? Well, it's, you got to do this, you got to do that. Like uh, with fishing, uh, to kind of a, a different analogy. I have, uh, mm-hmm. I was at one point uh, a fisherman that, that when I was learning growing up, Uh, I fished with live bait all the time. And then I went to the entire opposite side of the spectrum and became a a purist fly fisherman. And you know what? Because I became a purist fly fisherman, when I tried to do other methods, I suck. And I've had to relearn how to fish with conventional tackle. Because I became such a purist that I lost all these skills that made me a great fisherman in the first place. Right? So you've got to be able to use all the different tools and use all the different pieces of information to further yourself. And now I will fish in any fashion. Uh, I prefer to fly fish, but I will fish in other ways, especially with my kids. And I'm going to, I'm not, I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to grow my kids up only fly fishing because if they go fishing with their friends and that aren't fly fishing or they go somewhere, they're going to suck. And I'm not going to let that happen. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, they're obviously going to get mocked if they just fly fish. We all know this. But And
1: and the the last thing, before I beat this to death, because it really bugs me, if the learning department, you know, the learning departments in corporate world, work for the business right like nobody no no organization is like oh we're going to just create a learning department forget like the sales and operations and all these other different places the learning department works for the business so if the business is happy with the results the business is seeing the impact the business people are trained and the corporate's being trained it doesn't really matter if the theory is right is right if the results are there and those those things right so i i get the theory is you know, possibly right or wrong or whatever. But if the outcome is still happening, then who's to say it's wrong? So that's just the other thing that I think about a lot of times, you know, from a corporate perspective of, are we really getting the outcome? Are the people getting trained? Um, are you seeing some results that you're able to measure it, you know, here and there? So at the end of the day, stop giving people hell on the internet, uh, Mm. that are just trying to make content and, um, trying to give some information out.
0: Yeah. I think there's, I think, I think part of this, and it's not to say that I'm guilt-free in this, but part of this kind of gets wrapped up in, in ego. And, um, uh, there, there's, there's an element of grace and humility. Like, how do you correct somebody in public? And this is where the internet has completely fucked us all. Uh, how do you, how do you, Correct somebody on the thing, like Eli, you had said. You know, there's those things that you know. Well, of those things that you know, how do you correct somebody in, in a public sphere in the town square, if you will? Well, you know, um, Facebook, fa- Facebook, yeah. Um, <laughs> <Exactly>. anyway, <laughs> yeah, Facebook and and just yell. <laughs> That's it, all caps. I think that's the only way to correct people. I think these days, um, but but how do you do it with grace and humility? And and it makes it makes me think because again, th- this is one of those things where I was kind of talking about this on my team this week for some reason, and it had to do with the objective. And you may never hit the objective, and then that's kind of I've heard I've heard the religious concept of sin be uh, talked about in, in that way, where sin is some way back in the etymology of it. It's actually a word referencing archery and uh, to sin is to essentially miss the target or miss the mark. Um, so there's this idea that we want to try to achieve this certain objective and we need to try to get there. And because we're human, we're going to fail. We're not going to hit it every single time. And maybe we hit it seldom, but you know, we need to always try to do that. And I think we always need to try to address people with some level of humility um and and grace and give them an opportunity to save face maybe uh and i think it would serve a lot of folks to to remember that there's probably something we're all wrong about right now um we don't know what it is yet but do we want someone to yell at us on the internet when we find out what it is or how do we want them to handle that you know
2: adam's wrong i don't know <laughs>
0: 100%.
1: My yeah. math is wrong. <laughs> it's, it's Well, that's. I will never,
2: know. I will never ridicule anybody. I'll say this up publicly right now on a recorded podcast. I'll never make fun of somebody oh, for man. getting, getting live math wrong, ever.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Or spelling, <laughs> spelling in public. That's a tough one.
2: Yep. Same thing. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to. i I'll never crucify somebody over that. That's like. Yeah. it's really easy to say, Oh, you screwed up doing math you you come up and do it yeah
0: <laughs> so. all right uh, i there I think there was a second half to this topic, but we'll save that for another day because that um that it's too late. To get that excited, Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I really want to thank you for uh, for tuning in to episode thirty of the Mosby Learning Podcast with myself, um, one Mister Adam Costix, and one Mister Eli Barant, Messrs. Costix and Barant, and um, gentlemen, uh, Adam. Is there any anywhere you want people to go to see the incredibly uh, thoughtful? and and courageous things that you write online in all caps <laughs> well,
1: i'm sure people can find me on linkedin right it's just my name adam costix or on tiktok m-s-u-s-p-a-r-t-n m-s-u spartan without the a, you're joking so. speaking of
0: spelling in public <laughs> you uh, missed the vowel <laughs>
1: trying to get those tiktok followers to continue you. to go up which i gotta tell you're you you're, joke, on you're joking right
0: Oh, no, mm, no, no! You no. can watch him dancing a snuggie on TikTok if you just. Uh, oh, no.
2: yeah. follow and him. the Chinese government has all your personal information. Everything. I, it's fine. i give it out it's like candy.
0: DNA. Who knows what? Yeah. And of course, that's not a that's not a slander uh, against uh, people of a Chinese ethnic background. That that's referring specifically to the Chinese government. Is that right, Eli?
2: Yes, the CCP. Yeah, okay. I just
0: I want to be clear on that. So it's you know nobody's gonna cancel this podcast. <laughs> <What's>, uh, <laughs> let's
2: be honest that, that could happen at any moment
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll have to wait for portland to chime in uh once the uh the smoldering stops <laughs> is that, building still,
2: that building get burned down or what in portland well, we don't so. know what portland it is it be
0: yeah that, that's, or that's portland true. michigan everything's it's still like soggy there.
2: where do you it's want like to Springfield.
0: where do you want people to can i get this question out where do you want people to find you
2: uh gray lakes fly at uh on instagram is is probably the best way to get me uh that's what i pay attention the most i have a a linkedin page which apparently is reverted to an old position i know i updated it and then i've been told recently that it's been that it, that position now gone so i don't know i guess right uh i don't even know the password um
0: <laughs> it's but, part of the problem.
2: <laughs> that's part of the problem. No, yeah. because like what we were just talking about, I've been keeping it light uh with everything that's been going on. So I've been staying very uh in my fishing realm. So yeah, that's where uh, I hang out. Hey,
0: that sounds a lot more zen than the rest of the uh the rest of the internet. All right. Uh if you're looking for uh, i you guess if you're looking for us, about yourself no? me, yeah me well then i was thinking but well, we didn't even talk about the show we didn't talk about mosby learning uh which is uh, at mosby learning on twitter is that right adam it is and you're going to be tweeting out a link to this show probably there with some show something clever about it i bet um if you want to send us an email mosby at gmail.com you can find me uh yeah linkedin is kind of the only place i go and it's It's with hesitation behind that click these days. Uh, But Dan, H-I-R-T, you can find me there. Reach out. If you're new to the industry, you happen to be hearing this. For God's sakes, reach out. Um, I don't put a ton of stuff out there, but you know, I know a couple people, and I like stuff that they do. So um, you'll, you'll, it's, it might be worthwhile connecting, not because of me, but because of the people that I happen to have tricked into connecting with me. Um, so that's, I think that's it. Mosby.ca/slash-zero-three-zero. Go there for the show notes where you can find the articles. And uh, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. Hopefully, not wasting too much time here, but um, we're happy to have you. Dan, all. you
2: are a good pitch man.
0: I'm I, Mr. Good Pitchman. I'm tempted Mr. to Good post. Uh, I'm gonna post that. So, small social media update. Some joker sent a connection request to me, and I let it sit there for like a week. And I was like, mm, fine, screw it. Uh, and then I accept it. And within minutes, he's like, Hey, do you want to join my trading platform? And I said, uh, I with. Gr- I tried to be gracious, and I was like, You know what, man? I appreciate that, but I'm gonna pass. And then he says, Why? And it was very much like, Hey, babe, wanna hit it? uh no thank you sir (laughs) so (laughs) and then uh, when he asked why i gave him uh full yeah i was just a big thought bubble of here's all the reasons that this is a stupid and shitty pitch my friend but um and then he immediately blocked me and i cannot see him on linkedin anymore which is fine
2: he called you mr good pat good good pitch man Bastard.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a combo. It's a big title, but I'll take it. See if I'll fit him on a. Uh, I'll update my profile on LinkedIn with that.
2: All right. And uh, just so you know, you just you, that that uh, phrase you just used is going to get clipped, and you're going to get canceled. Which one? Uh, hey, babe, you want to hit it?
0: Oh, well, it was an, it was an example.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to get clipped out of context. That's nice now canceled. we have
0: our show closer with with you saying this. <laughs> <laughs> damn it <All> right. <laughs> uh, music I should the songs probably run out at this point but Kevin McLeod at uh, Incompetech uh, I think it's Incompetech.com or filmmusic.io uh, I, either way he makes amazing music this one is called The Show Must Be Go and I love it um, speaking of which we all have to go goodbye friends
2: bye take care adios Uh, hey, babe, you want to hit it? Uh, no.
0: Thank you, sir. I, have a, I think we've got a problem.
2: <laughs> Damn it! Damn it!